1: Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. U.S. consumer confidence rising in
2: December by the most since early 2021. The conference board's index increased to 110.7 from a revised reading of 101 in November. It comes as Americans grow more upbeat about the economy and the labor market. But the conference board's chief economist, Dana Peterson, says there are still some concerns.
3: We actually asked consumers for write-ins, and the write-ins still continue to complain about inflation, both food and energy. Um, Their concerns about politics were a little less intense, but they are concerned about interest rates. But interestingly, in December, the number thinking that interest rates were going to continue to rise over the next year actually lessened. So it's still inflation. I still think that's the big story for consumers.
2: Dana Peterson. And more on that. The conference board's outlook for high prices did improve. Expected inflation a year out fell to the lowest level since late
1: 2020. Now a look at the latest Fed speak. We heard today from the head of the Philly Fed, Pat Harker, and he was saying the Fed should begin to cut rates, although not immediately. Now compared to other recent Fed speakers, Harker's comments were more supportive of a rate cut in early 24. You know, markets have been betting on the Fed beginning to ease in March. Now Harker will not vote on policy next year. Even so, he will be a part of discussions during the next FOMC meetings. Harker did not specify when it would be appropriate for the fed to begin cutting rates or how many rate cuts he sees in the new year brian well micron technology says the second
2: quarter revenue will be 5.1 to 5.5 billion dollars and that whole range was higher than analyst estimates of 4.99 billion micron is the largest u.s maker of memory semiconductors we get reaction here from dan morgan at synovus trust
4: it reiterates and gives further evidence uh, that the rebound that began in the really the February of 2023 in the chip industry is definitely gaining momentum. We're starting to see that in the memory space.
2: That's Stan Morgan. The boom in artificial intelligence spending is also helping. CEO Sanjay Marotra said that there is strong demand for the expensive memory used in data centers to help develop AI software. And just having a look at uh, Micron Technology stock and how it's trading in after hours at the moment up 4.3%. Doug
1: Warner Brothers discussed. Discovery has held merger talks with Paramount Global. We are hearing these discussions are preliminary and they may not lead to an agreement. Earlier, Axios had reported Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav had met with the head of Paramount Global, Bob Backish, here in New York. That happened sometime today. Bloomberg's Paul Sweeney breaks down the why behind a possible deal between these two media companies.
5: The logic behind a lot of these media yeah. executives today is I can't get too big here. I, there's not a scenario where I don't need more scale mm. because, again, my competitors are Netflix and they're, and there's some of the big technology companies. Disney's probably in a good spot there. That's what most people feel like. But everybody else has to really think about what to do. And David
2: Zaslov, um is a deal maker.
1: That is Bloomberg's Paul Sweeney. Now, a combination of Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global would unite famous Hollywood properties, including the Paramount and Warner Brothers film and TV studios. It would also put a number of pay TV and broadcast stations such as HBO and CBS under a single roof. And a merger would likely face intense scrutiny by federal regulators who have challenged numerous combinations under the Biden administration. Brian?
2: Well, Citigroup has decided to exit the distressed debt trading business. That story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet.
1: It is part of its latest retrenchment in Citigroup's effort to reshape the firm in pursuit of. Of higher returns. According to people briefed on the decision, the move comes as Citigroup undergoes a strategic overhaul under CEO Jane Frazier. The decision to exit the business will remove one of the key players in distressed debt markets and follows a recent decision by the bank to also get out of municipal bond trading and underwriting. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. Well, sales at China's ByteDance are said to have passed $110 billion this year. We have more from Bloomberg's Rashad Salamat in
0: Hong Kong. Sources say ByteDance has matched the 30% growth it managed in 2022. That's when the company reported sales in excess of $80 billion. Total sales this year would potentially be greater than its rival Tencent. And that's despite economic turbulence in China and elevated scrutiny in key markets such as the U.S., and India. It's unclear how ByteDance performed in profitability this year, as internal numbers have not been independently audited. But the sheer scale suggests ByteDance has become one of China's largest corporations by revenue. In Hong Kong, I'm Rashad Salamat, Bloomberg Radio.
2: All right, now it's time for global news. U.S. and Venezuela completing a major prisoner swap. Ed Baxter with that story in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed.
3: Yeah, Brian Wright, the U.S. has sent a close ally of President Nicholas Maduro in exchange for the release of 10 Americans that have been in prisoner and prison, as well as the extradition of defense contractor known as Fat Leonard, who is at the center of a massive Pentagon bribery scandal. As well, President Biden says political promises.
1: We've laid down specific requirements
5: for a Democratic election. He's agreed to all of them.
3: Now, Biden also asked today about the Colorado Supreme Court ruling, taking Donald Trump off the ballot there, asked whether Trump was an insurrectionist. He saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he
1: certainly supported
3: an insurrection. No question about it. None. Zero. So Trump's future now rests with the U.S. Supreme Court he shaped in the Colorado case. And he today as well said the Supreme Court should hold off on intervening in the federal criminal case in Washington, D.C. regarding overturning the election. Harvard University law professor Lawrence Tribe on Bloomberg, not surprising, he says, but maybe not smart.
4: The Court of Appeals has no special expertise. Whatever it says is going to be subject to review by the U.S. Supreme Court anyway. There's no reason to Mm -hmm. wait his own arguments of the reason not to wait. And, of course, it's hugely important that it be decided so that voters know when they're going to the polls Whether they're voting for a convicted felon or for someone who was wrongly accused.
3: Now, the crux of the case there is whether he has immunity. Special counsel Jack Smith asking for a fast track. Smith seeking to ensure the trial can start March 4th. Politically, Bloomberg's Mike Dorning says it could help Trump. In the short term, it benefits Trump at a really critical time in the
5: Republican nomination process. We're a few weeks away from those first early primaries in Iowa. New Hampshire, South Carolina. It's the last chance for a Republican to knock him out. And now he's got the party rallying around him. Mm-hmm. He's the center of attention. He's even got his rivals taking his side on this.
3: And other states are definitely affected by what's decided. Michigan, Arizona also have similar cases to the Colorado looking for precedent. So a couple of things swirling around today. And a new Quinnipiac poll uh, has Biden and Trump in a dead heat at 46 or 47 percent, with Robert Kennedy Jr. sucking away 22 percent of the vote evenly from both. China's President Xi Jinping has told U.S. President Joe Biden that Beijing will reunify Taiwan with mainland China, but the time has not been decided. Bloomberg's Kaylee Lyons reports a fine line to walk for the U.S., whose technical position has had to support the one China policy.
4: This really underscores how difficult the Taiwan issue is for this administration, which still technically abides by the one China policy, tries to exercise strategic ambiguity when it comes to Taiwan. But President Biden has also been on the record saying that the U.S. would come to Taiwan's defense if attacked. Attack, of course, would implicate that it is actually attempt to take it by force.
3: A conversation apparently occurred in San Francisco at APEC and now first been reported by NBC in Reaction Today, the first hearing of it. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg.
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
5: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
2: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Brian Curtis and Paul Allen, our colleague Vincent Signorella joins us. Vince is a Bloomberg macro strategist with us looking at markets. So a fairly big sell-off there into the close, Vince. Some traders were talking about expiring zero-day options, that that may have helped accelerate the sell-off because it came up kind of abruptly, although... Uh, investors know that the market has been extended anything in particular catch your
4: eye yeah today i mean to be honest today the gains were on a little bit of shaky ground you could feel some exhaustion in the market um we were we were barely in the green for most of the day <clears throat> and then uh, late in the session a few traders were telling me about those same day options uh somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 10000 depending on who you talk to. The exercise price was either forty-seven fifty-five, forty-seven sixty dollars um, 55 47 on the SPX, uh, but big size. And what it did was trigger uh, the delta hedge in the cash for a $1.9 billion sell-off. So you kind of had a sleepy market, not really doing much a few days before Christmas. Traders not really, like, totally on top of their game paying attention maybe an hour or so before the close and a smackdown going into it. And that's what took it out. But, you know, I I just keep it in mind is like you're saying, same day expiries. We'll see what happens tomorrow and the rest Mm. of the week and and with PCE coming up. I don't think it changes the game. I think it just was sort of a one day situation.
5: Yeah, you mentioned a bit of sleepiness there. How do volumes look compared to a typical holiday lead in period?
4: I, I, I think they're kind of more of the same. I think it may be a little bit elevated in this case because we've seen such great gains coming through. So there's a little bit of enthusiasm. you got some FOMO going on, and then you have some profit-taking going on. I mean, it, it, for a trader at this stage of the game, nothing you do at this point of the year is going to do much for your bonus. So you tend not to do much, period. You're just kind of covering corporate business and doing what you have to do. Um there's not a lot you can do to help your own book, so they don't really kind of get too excited about things.
2: You can understand a little bit of indecision among some when you look at the data. We had uh, consumer confidence pretty solid there, up up to yeah. uh, that level of, of of north of 107. At the same time, you you have factory activity in the U.S. that has been contracting now for more than a year, and so it's a it's a little tricky to try to figure out. When, especially when you see a drop in bond yields like today, you start thinking about, well, maybe somebody sees a lot slower gl- growth out there. Uh, your thoughts on where the economy is moving and whether the, whether or not that's in sync with
4: markets. I, I, I think you make a good point. I mean, first you know, first of all, we're not really a manufacturing economy anymore. So slower factory growth isn't the end game, if you will. But at the same time, I think what we've seen is delinquencies are increasing, revolving credit is at record highs. Consumer likely is getting close to tapped out, probably will be in the first, maybe second quarter of next year. So slower growth is definitely on the horizon. Uh But I think that plays into maybe a little bit more aggressive Fed in terms of rate cuts. So it's, you know, a little six and one, half a dozen the other. I don't see wheels falling off. I think it's going to be a nice, slow decline. You look at inflation in the U.K. today. That was very encouraging. I think central bankers keep pushing back and saying we're not going to cut as aggressively as you say we are. But I think the most important thing is don't count how many times they're going to cut or you think they're going to cut. The fact that they're going to cut is what you really need to hold on to. And that the quantitative tightening cycle is basically over. And if it takes a little longer to get to where you want it to be, that's fine. It'll just be a nicer, slower, steadier pace. Of perhaps growth, earnings, and uh, risk assets.
5: Mm. Yeah, this idea of cutting rates. I mean, that does suggest the economy would require stimulus. I mean, you mentioned things are sort of backing off a bit, but you know, how much stimulus does the economy require? Really, are, are traders getting a bit ahead of themselves here in terms of this rate cut expectation?
4: Yeah, I think way ahead of themselves, looking for three next year and five actually the year after is is very, very, very aggressive. But again, you know, I, I don't think it's an issue of stimulus so much with the central banks. I think it's an issue of a fear of over-tightening. And they're trying to get back to this neutral sort of balance where they're not tightening, but they're not necessarily easing. They're just feeding the economy what it needs to keep going. They don't want to ease over ease either they don't want to see inflation pick back up again but they're very much now in the camp of well if we over tighten we could crater global growth and that basically is is the exact opposite of what we saw during the pandemic or, or yep. post-pandemic which is not what they want to see.
2: On the corporate front, a couple of interesting possible mergers, uh, Nippon Steel moving on U.S. deal with a massive premium, and then hearing uh, here via Axios that Warner Brothers, uh, Discovery, and, and Paramount Global are talking. Uh, anything catch your eye in, in, in either those stories or others like that uh, that kind of clue you into um, the confidence in markets?
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people are talking about M&A picking up uh, next year very, very aggressively. You, you talk to firms like you know Molis, which is one of the leaders in you know, a small firm, but a leader in M&A field. Everybody expects this big jump in M&A, and I think you make a good point. That speaks to confidence. You're not going to be going out as a corporate CEO buying another company or looking to merge with another company and likely taking on debt or diluting shares if you don't think things are going to progress positively. It, it's, I think it's a good sign. It's a good sign for global growth. Yeah.
2: All right, Vince. Thanks very much for joining us. Vincent Signorella, Bloomberg macro strategist with us. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street.
1: Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen
2: live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco.
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen
2: coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis.
1: I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.